Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Face to face with Jesus, we end the liturgical year on this Sunday, this Reign of Christ Sunday. And so face to face, we've been with the man out on a limb, Zacchaeus. We've been with the band of puzzlers, the Sadducees. We've been with the open-mouthed tourists admiring the temple. And today we join the scoffers on a hill, standing face to face with Jesus. This liturgical calendar, we're going to start the new one next Sunday, where we anticipate the coming of Christ, holding both the coming of Christ in the baby long ago and in the coming of Christ yet to, to be. And then we tell the life and story of Christ through Lent. We tell of the resurrection. We celebrate Easter. And then there's great Pentecost. And the second half of the year is about the work of the Spirit in the church. Until today, we celebrate the fact that Christ is King and became King on the cross. But we also look forward to the day when His rule is over everything and all is made right. We hold both of those together. It seems appropriate that we end at the end. Amen? It'll be a good day. Wish that were tomorrow. Amen. When we uh, come to this story, one you've probably heard, a little bit of context. You know me. I've got to get the context in there. There's a lot to go over in the scene. There's so much jam-packed into the crucifixion scene, so much that would have been impossible to miss in first century. But 2,000 years later, we've, we tend to miss some of it. Jesus, in the scene right before this one, are actually on the way to the cross. He tried to warn Israel once again not to stand up and challenge Rome, not to fight the same fight that the world fights. And so immediately before this, he gives the starkest warning yet to mothers, saying, you barren ones will be the blessed ones because your children aren't going to be the ones in the middle of this fight. And then he's being crucified in this scene. He's been led on a step-by-step journey which directly parallels the coronation of a Caesar. It's not accidental. It's to say that Jesus is the ruler. The cross is actually a throne. What we want to know from that process, we'll cover more in Lent in detail. But what we want to know today is that when we hear this story, Skull Hill being raised up with someone on his right and left, having wine offered to him, being sneered at, and having a sign above his head declaring his kingship, they're not accidental. Making it very clear what's happening in this moment, even if we tend to skip all of that and just focus on the resurrection, because that's a, well, that's a fun story, right? The crucifixion's hard. There are minor details that are communicating something not minor. It's common for a ruler on their way to the throne to offer gestures of grace and goodness to the people that they are passing to give a a sign as to what their rule and their reign is going to be like. And we find that in this story. Some rulers would hand out bread or food as a sign of you will be taken care of. Hand out money. Look how I will bless you. Jesus offers an intercessory confession on our behalf and then a generous pardon to one being crucified next to him. The word you'll hear describing these people on his right and left are thief or bandit, but it's really the word for revolutionary, for rebel, terrorist even, because these were the people rising up, really causing the trouble challenging Caesar. The cross was reserved for 
human living billboards about what happens when you try to challenge Rome and Caesar. Jesus is being treated like a revolutionary, a rebel, or a terrorist, just like the ones on his right and left. This is not to be overlooked. Having all of this in mind, now let us hear the passage. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God in scripture. The word of God among us. The word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Familiar, yes? Pieces of the story. Two sayings from Jesus on the cross. The first, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The second, today you will be with me in paradise. These two sayings. This image, this scene, is this what you would expect on the reign of Christ Sunday? No, right? If we're going to picture the reign of Christ, aren't we going to picture something that looks like the reign of power we are used to, that makes it clear who's in charge? That's the image we expect. This seems like the moment of weakness, like the darkest moment. So why this? I didn't choose it. This is the lectionary. This is the liturgical calendar, this ancient practice of going through the story and what it means. I mean, why not choose the moment of his baptism when God spoke, right? This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Or when God said it again, surrounding them with clouds on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. Why not the time he provided bread to all the people on the hill? Or when he raised people from the dead or exercised demons or healed them? Wouldn't that be a symbol for the king that we could get on board with? But that's the whole point. The power of the kingdom doesn't look like the power we've grown used to or come to expect. The power we strive for, the power we look for, the power we depend upon. The power of the reign of God doesn't work like that. The power of the ruler we serve as the Lord is the exact opposite of that. And yet the world then did not recognize it. Jesus' own people didn't recognize it. And we still struggle to recognize it. Amen? If we're honest, we scoff all the time at power as this passage lifts up. We roll our eyes and chalk it up as the work of a naive, idealistic dreamer who will grow up and come to find out how things really are. 
that there is a power, and you better respect it. That's not the power we see in Jesus. We, the church, we know better. We've heard the story. We tell it every year, at least once. But we still find ourselves desiring another kind of power. I do. We still rely upon those other types of power to guide us and lead us and and solve the problems. Besides the grace and mercy and forgiveness and love that we find in this story, the true power, we want a strong, right, a strong hand, a big stick, as one of my favorite presidents, Teddy Roosevelt, said. We want a mighty voice, a tough leader. We want people to, to come down hard and fast upon those who are out of line. We want justice as we've come to define it, and we want it now, and we all do. Any of you who have been through something that was undeserved, you want justice. And we look at our lives and we take stock of all that we see happening in us, around us, and we want justice. But Jesus' first words from the cross in one of the darkest moments of humanity and what we were capable of is not a cry for justice. It's a cry for mercy and forgiveness. The scoffers on the hill stand face to face with Jesus, sneering, taunting, mocking, because he hasn't been playing by their rules. And so they've been happy to wield the world's power to to silence him. They mock him using the same challenge as the voice of temptation way back at the beginning in the wilderness after baptism. If he's the Messiah of God, let him save himself. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. That, I mean, we're used to that power, the power that looks after itself, right? Make, our, make the name great. And Jesus could have saved himself. Could have called down legions of angels. He chose not to. He would have been playing by the rules and toppled the whole thing God was trying to do. Jesus doesn't give in to temptation in this opportune time that's come around again. Instead, he asks for forgiveness upon the people doing it. They don't know what they're doing, Jesus says. They sure seem confident that they know what they're doing, don't they? I mean, don't we? Jesus is walking the path of a revolutionary, yes, but of a new way to live. He's a rebel with a new kind of cause. He's a devoted agent, not of terror, but embodying an entire new way to see the world and reveal God's glory. He's a troublemaker, because he was. But he stirs it up for the right reasons. He does give up his life like a terrorist, but he doesn't do it to bring condemnation and judgment and death and destruction, but forgiveness. This is our ruler, our Christ, our Lord. Thank God for grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. Thank God for Jesus Christ. We are still struggling with this too, are we not? Which is okay. We're Israel, aren't we? Israel is one who struggles with God. It's part of the journey. We struggle. Now, one reason I love serving Sellersburg United Methodist Church is right up here in front. Isn't this beautiful? you get a moment, just come and and bask at what is up here. Pray over what has been given, because this is evidence that you are committed to things beyond these four walls. You're committed to things beyond making the name of the church great. You are committed to people. That the purpose of existing as a church is not to serve ourselves and build ourselves up, but to give outwardly, to love outwardly as a sign that 
Christ already reigns. A sign of our faith in a God who provides our daily bread. We don't just pray it, we live it. We trust we'll have what we need so we can take care of those who have not. We stop worrying about the things that normal people worry about because we are residents, citizens of the kingdom that will never fall. Amen? The second thing Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, this word, paradiso, it connects back to Genesis 2 and 3. It means garden. Now, it developed a tradition as a waiting or a resting place, the king's garden. Before the great day of resurrection, you would be hosted by the king. The rebel asked to be remembered, nothing more. Think about that. Could have asked for anything. What would you ask for Jesus, from Jesus, just to be remembered? Maybe a little more? Maybe for three more wishes, right? He could have asked for anything. He recognized that Jesus was having an unjust punishment. He recognized that Jesus had some authority of some kind. Maybe he grasped it. Maybe he just saw glimmers. He wanted to be remembered, not for what he had done or had been. He just wanted to be remembered as a human being, as someone who still had a heart with the capacity for repentance and mercy, even hanging on a cross. Jesus, this gracious ruler, who does things like other gracious rulers, right? He heard a request of honor and grace, and he's going to bestow it on the way to the throne, and Jesus does. You will be with me in paradise. When? Today. That part's kind of odd. Today. Not just in a few hours when they die together. There's an immediacy to this promise by Jesus. Jesus is going to die and then rest for three days before rising up again. As death and life are both stirring together around these two on their crosses, what is happening is a coming together in the moment. He's already with Jesus. He already sees things as Jesus sees them in some way, and he's willing to devote himself to that with all he has left. The scoffers down below and the one to the other side, they're missing what's right in front of them, but not this rebel. He sees Jesus for who he is, for what he will do, for who he will be, and still what he sees is only part way. He doesn't ask for anything beyond being remembered. Maybe because he feels like he's getting what he deserves. He doesn't deserve anything more. Maybe he feels unworthy to share the presence of someone holy like Jesus beyond the proximity they share on their cross. But our Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus, he's so much more than we could ever expect or might ever think is deserved. He's much more than anyone ever could expect. Amen? He represents the way and will of God in a way nothing and no one ever could. He shares with the world the God who would give their child their inheritance long before it was due Allow us to walk away for a life of excess and idols who never stop scanning the horizon, awaiting for us to come to ourselves and return home, who reestablishes our identity before we even have a chance to say, I'm sorry, who celebrates the finding of the lost with no hint of repercussion for what has been done. Jesus spent time with everyone he wasn't supposed to. He extended grace and forgiveness to those he wasn't supposed to. He welcomed all who weren't supposed to be in the kingdom. He tells that bandit, that revolutionary, who has probably killed Romans, caused trouble and a violent pursuit of the wrong kind of power and empire. He says, you will be with me in paradise today. 
the scoffers on the hill down below. They should have been the ones doing these things. But they didn't. They're scoffing at God's self and Jesus coming and showing them what the whole story's been all about from the beginning. And Jesus prays to God, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And they should have. And we should too. I should. We have the witness and revelation of God and Jesus. Amen? Just like they did. Well, they had it even a little more. They still didn't get it when Jesus stood face to face with them. They still pined for power. We get focused on all the wrong things too, so I don't want to judge them too harshly. Even when we manage to get closer to the right focus in this time of year, we still invest far too much energy and money and time and emotion and ambition on things that really don't matter. Amen? God, forgive us. We do not know what we are doing. We are forgiven. Amen? I want you to say, we are forgiven. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. This day, this finale of the liturgical year, we stand in awe of our ruler, our Jesus, upon the cross, forgiving and blessing, dying and assuming his throne with the hope that we will start to come to know what we are doing, that we will stop being scoffers on a hill, that we will stop pursuing what we know we shouldn't, that we will not bow to anyone or anything other than Jesus, that we will trust in him who sees beyond anything we've said or done. He sees beyond our ignorance. He sees beyond our labels. He redeems us. Him who welcomes us today into his presence, that we can live in the kingdom with him right here and now by laying down our allegiances to anything else, by relinquishing control, by laying aside the image of ourselves we work so hard to maintain, by letting grace and mercy be the foundation upon which we stand in which we see the world around us by going well beyond believing in Jesus to following him, by letting the Holy Spirit bring forth the good fruit in all that we think and all that we say and in all that we do, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, by humbly admitting it starts here, admitting we don't know what we are doing as we commit ourselves to be with the one who does, as we seek out the opportunity to live our lives face-to-face with Jesus now and forevermore. The way, the truth, the life, our ruler, our king, our Lord, who reigns over all creation, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 